It's time for the LaneCast with Montana's very own Talkin' Ag, Lane Nordland, your voice for agriculture. In old St. Louis, over in Missouri. Hello everyone and welcome back. Yes, a little bit of a different intro for today's podcast. Uh, that music is one of my good friends, Kyle Shope of Lewistown, Montana. He's a past world champion livestock auctioneer, owns Lewistown Livestock Auction. He has Kyle Shope and the Walking Boys Band, just a great artist, a great friend. And he, of course, is singing Ian Tyson's The Gift. And if you know that song, it's about the one and only Kid Russell. Charles Marion Russell, that is the man that captured the West. And uh, today we are going to be talking about an image that really is so important to ranchers and to those that love the Old West. And it really it sparked in my mind all the cold weather that we're having. Uh, the negative 20, 40 below weather, and everyone that's in the livestock industry, that, that doesn't phase them. they got to go out and take care of their livestock. And whether it's, you know, chipping ice off the water tanks, putting out feed, putting out a little more bedding, supplementing those cattle when they need to. And, uh, and you just think about so many homes, uh, ranch homes that is, uh, they, they have some type of Charles M. Russell artwork in there. I guarantee you, your house has some Charlie Russell art in it. And one of those pieces of art that we think about when we think about cold weather in Charlie Russell is the waiting for a Chinook, the image of that gaunt steer, just uh, all the ribs showing, some wolves in the background. We're going to talk about the history of waiting for a Chinook today. And a part of that history is, you may not know this, is the Montana Stock Growers Association actually owns that image. It's just a great story of how they became owners of it and have it on public display in Helena, Montana. And this image that hangs on so many ranchers' walls is a reminder of the power of Mother Nature, but also to their commitment to their livestock and land, no matter what the weather is. So I have uh, uh, interviewed two great individuals that are a part of Montana's livestock industry. The first will be Jim Peterson. He was formerly the Montana Stock Growers Executive Vice President back in uh, from 1990 to 2000, past state uh, uh, Senator, President of Montana Senate, in fact, and currently Chair of the C.M. Russell Museum. And we'll also catch up with President of the Montana Stock Growers, uh, that being Jim Steinbeiser from Sydney, Montana, getting his view of this historic piece of art. And you might hear me ramble on about history. I love history. Uh, this is probably the longest intro I've ever done. But uh, hey, we're going to thank our sponsors, and we're going to come back uh, with our conversation with Jim Peterson, uh, talking about the history of how the Montana Stock Growers Association ended up owning the Waiting for a Chinook. I don't know if you knew that, but uh, we'll be back right after these words. Better make sure it's just God made Montana for the wild man, for the pagan and the Sioux and Crow. Your National Cattlemen's Beef Association knows when it comes to the issues in Washington, there's simply no room for gray area. Trade, fake meat, the cost and impact of the Green New Deal. The decisions being made today affect the livelihood of your fellow farmers and ranchers. And what matters to cattlemen matters to us. 
It's as clear as black and white. Visit joinncba.org to learn more. All right, as we come back to our agriculture conversation here today, we are joined by Montana's Jim Peterson. He is a, a person known to so many in Montana's agriculture sector from his time uh, as executive vice president of the Montana Stock Growers from 1990 to 2000, as a rancher, as, uh, the, as a leader in the state Senate uh, during the legislative sessions. Uh, but he took the 310 to Yuma here, and he's actually not uh, enjoying this cold weather like we are. Jim, uh, how are you doing down in Arizona today? Well, it's a beautiful sunny morning. It's supposed to be 70 today, which is typical Arizona weather. And uh, I understand it's about 25 below at the ranch right now. So uh, um, I guess I found an alternative to winter temporarily here until I have to go home and go back to work. But we don't start calving until uh, April. It took me a long time to figure that one out. But <laughs> This winter kind of confirms maybe it's a good time to calve, not calve right now at least. <laughs> no, I think a lot of people have figured that out. I know more and more people pushing it back, and I'm, I'm glad we're not calving until the end of March, first part of April ourselves. Um, and as we, we talk about calving, there, there is folks calving right now, and it's a very difficult time. But, you know, uh, uh, ranchers are very committed to their livestock, uh, being animal husbands, taking care of everything, and, and you know, uh, but you can't control the weather and you can't control these freak uh, acts of nature that do occur. You know, we saw a lot of that in, in the Dakotas in the last uh, 10 years with, with the blizzards that just occur out of nowhere during the fall. Um, but uh, as, as we mentioned, the, the image that so many people think of when they think about cattle and they think about winter is the image created by a young Charles M. Russell when he was in the Judith Basin, where truly, where, where you call home, uh, that, that image of a, a, a steer with his rib showing and some wolves surrounding him. But the Montana Stock Growers Association was actually gifted that sketch or, or that, that watercolor, and they actually have it on display for the public to see with the Montana Historical Society. But for, for you, who calls that area home, and, and I know you are very invested in CM Russell. I know you serve on the CM Russell Museum Board. Uh, what, what's it like to, to just think about that image during these times of cold weather? Well, when I... When I saw it posted on Facebook yesterday, it reminded me of uh, a number of things. First of all, you know, Russell himself, and I do have the privilege of being on the board and probably even a better privilege of being chairman of the board. And, um, and I love Charlie Russell's documentation of the settling of the West with his paintbrush. And most artists, you know, paint what they see and Charlie painted what he lived. And, uh, and so, that painting is kind of dear. I mean, that watercolor is kind of dear to my heart. And um, there's a good history behind it that, it that I think people would be interested in on how it found its way to the Montana Stock Growers Association. And as you said, is on display at the Historical Society now. And, and it's, it's, it's really a, nothing more than a postcard. And it's something Charlie just painted, you know, long before he became a professional artist. He you know, he left St. Louis, Missouri in 1880 against his parents' wishes and went, went west to Montana by train and stage. And he landed in the Judith Basin um, later on that year. And um, 
and he was uh, he had an I think it was an uncle of his had arranged for him to herd some be a sheep herder, and uh, that didn't work out so good because he was so busy looking at the beautiful landscapes and in total wonder of the west of the west that he was busy sketching and he actually got fired from his first job, and had no money and no place to live and was sitting on a, by a campfire on the Judith River there just above Utica and he, an old boy rode up, an old meat and hide hunter rode up named Jake Hoover and uh, introduced himself and asked Charlie what he was doing and Jake Hoover himself had come out when he was 16 years old. So he took Charlie under his wing and took him up to his cabin there above Utica on the South Fork and Charlie lived with Jake Hoover for two years. So that's how Charlie got his start in Montana. Was, and uh, he, he, uh, Charlie didn't like killing anything, and he just didn't like it. But Jake would, would do that, and then Charlie would help him, you know, dress out the wildlife. And, and they hauled stuff down to Utica and sold meat and hide for, for years. And Charlie, that's where Charlie learned the anatomy of, of uh, animals. And, and that's why this painting is considered probably – from a from a, um, a uh, an animal uh, design or ribs and the bones of an animal are almost perfect, you know. In the anatomy, he had, you know the perfect anatomy. I guess is the word I'm looking for uh, of the of the of the uh, of the uh, uh, his work was very good. And and he he was there for a couple of years. He promised his folks he'd go back to St. Louis and check in with him, which he did but he was bound and determined to go back to Montana. And once again, he left with a cousin and they came back to Montana. And on the way back, the one cousin caught, caught one of the, uh, the disease and actually died. And Charlie then went back to the central Montana area, to the Utica area, because that's where he had his friend, Jake Hoover. And he started working for ranches. And, uh, and, uh, and when he got back, he, about 1883, he got back to Montana and was working for ranches and he really wasn't known much of a cowboy and he, he but he, he he got to be pretty good as a night herder he was the night watchman for a lot of cowboy outfits and he liked that job a lot because he could work at night and then in the daytime he could he could you know meet, mingle with the cowboys and tell stories and he could sketch and that he got to be you know he was a natural god-given artist and so he, he, he actually painted a lot of the things he painted, he actually lived. In fact, most of it he lived, which made him very unique. <clears throat> and about 1883, in that area, he worked for two or three years all through central Montana, Lewistown area, Judith Basin, a lot of those ranches he worked at. In 1886, he went to work for the OH Ranch, which was a, owned by a couple of guys, a couple of businessmen from Helena, Montana, and uh, they were, their names were Louis Kaufman and Louis Stadler that had this ranch, and this was open range country, and people were trying to acquire some of the ranches, and that winter, a winter of 1886 was the terrible winter, and in those days, the, uh, those were the days of open range, and normally they shipped the cattle, to, you know, out of the country for the winter, and they decided, well, that, that, that Utica area was kind of Chinook country, and, um, and so they were, these these cattlemen had a bunch of cattle there in the in that on the OH ranch, and the and the winter was terrible, and it just devastated the cattle industry that year. Any cattle that were in Montana without supplemental feed 
you know, a lot of them starved to death. And the owners wrote a letter to the ranch foreman asking what condition the cattle were in. And uh, the ranch foreman didn't really know how to respond because the news was so bad. And he took a little sketch that Charlie had uh, just penciled with his watercolors of this uh, steer, emaciated steer, about to start to death, surrounded by wolves. They were just waiting for the steer to die. And he sent it back. He sent that painting back. And the name of the painting at that time was Waiting for a Chinook. Well, Chinook was a, in, in, the, in the Blackfeet Indian language, Chinook means a warm, dry wind. And uh, of course, that's what the that's what the animal was doing, was waiting for something to melt the snow. And that, that little painting was all they sent back, no letter or nothing, just waiting for a Chinook. And, the, and, and um, the two guys then started showing it to their friends about the conditions of the things in the Utica area. And uh, the painting found its way to a little shop there in, my, in Helena and, and was on display there for a long time. And then, and then uh, Charlie started to be recognized as a pretty good artist. And frankly, that was the beginning of Charlie's career as an artist because then he started getting requests from people to do watercolors for him. And the, and the, and the painting was in the store for several years. But, uh, but uh, the, uh, the, and somebody else added the words later on, the last of the 5,000. Original painting was named Waiting for a Chinook, but now it's called the last of the 5,000. And um, the watercolor just hung around there and was changed hands for quite a little while. And then and it documented basically the end of open range. That was, that was the end of the open range in Montana. And, and it was the beginning of Charlie's career as an artist. That's what made this painting so, so significant. And um, W. Heidi Cooper, Heidi Cooper, I think was his name, was a rancher in central Montana and an MSGA member at that time. Stock growers were you know, pretty active in those days. Mm -hmm. And this painting hung in his ranch house for 30 years. And he was a member of stock growers and he decided that on, you know, that he would donate that watercolor to the, to the stock growers. And so on November 17th, 1942, he presented it to Montana Stock Growers Association in order for, he wanted other MSGA members to see it and he wanted the public could see it as well. And it was there for 30 years and then he had it 30 years and, and, and it's been with the stock growers ever since. The stock growers then put it on a permanent loan with the uh, Montana Historical Society and it's there today. And that's kind of a little bit of the history. That, that little watercolor kind of was the end of the, it kind of documented the winter, how bad it was. It was, it was. it was a signal that open range is not a place to be in Montana without supplemental feed. And the industry began to change. Uh, Fencing took place. A lot of things Charlie really didn't care for. The land is, was starting to get settled, but it was also the beginning of Charlie Russell's career as an artist. And uh, he was noted for his sitting around campfires and drawing little paintings and telling stories. And he actually wasn't too good of a cowboy. In fact, he admitted that himself. He wasn't a really good cowboy, but he loved the lifestyle. He loved the cowboy ethics. And he basically documented the settling of the American West with his paintbrush. 
And, and Jim, as you mentioned, uh, the Judith Basin is very prominent in, in almost all of Russell's artwork. And, you know, I feel a connection growing up in that same region as well. And, but but also just to, to I, um, you know, fa- you, you think of uh, the people that were around at that time, too, like Father Van, a very prominent uh, religious man that uh, was a friend of, uh, of the Native Americans. And he actually married my great, great grandparents. Their last name was Rice. They were from that uh, Utica Hobson country, which a little, you know, historical family <laughs> tied well, to, to, follow, to follow up on that, you know, Brother Van and Charlie were good friends. Yeah, Brother they Van. Knew yes. each other. And yep. uh, there's a there's a really very famous masterpiece that Charlie did for Brother Van, and that painting now hang, hangs in St. Peter's Hospital. I don't know, it's Benefice Hospital in Great Falls. And uh, the museum is actually in negotiations with them on getting that painting in the museum permanently. So Char- Charlie and Charlie was personal friends with uh, Charlie Bear, Brother Van, the list just goes on and on. I have a, my wife Lorraine uh, comes from the C.R. Stone background and C.R. Stone used to go to Billings and they all hung out in the Northern Hotel in Billings in the wintertime and they all were good friends. You yep. know? And so there's a long, long story there. And, and the thing I really like about it is Charlie not only documented the settlement of the West, he documented with his paintbrush the code of ethics that cowboys live by. Mm-hmm. And that's a whole nother story I'd like to share with you sometime. But, yeah. <laughs> you, know, he's, you know, it's pretty exciting. I get excited because I... I really like the the Charlie Russell story. And at this time, friends, we are going to pause our conversation with Jim Peterson, chair of the CM Russell Museum. We are actually going to catch up now with Sydney Montana Rancher and president of the Montana Stock Growers, Jim Steinbeiser. We are going to continue to talk about this famous Waiting for a Chinook, last of the 5,000 watercolor painting by Charles M. Russell and the significance of the painting being owned by the Montana Stock Growers, but yet still on display for the public to see at the Montana Historical Society. We're going to catch up with Jim. He just got in from feeding cows. We'll start that conversation in just a few quick moments. Get for Charlie Said get her all down Before she goes Son get her all down Before she goes Oh we gotta get her all down Hey, joining us uh, today is Jim Steinbeiser, president of the Montana Stockbrokers Association. And Jim, uh, the the weather has been quite brutal over the last week plus. Uh, uh, it looks like it's going to be getting a little better. But uh, as you and I discussed on the phone before we started this conversation, when, when folks think about weather and they think about livestock, one of those first images that they uh, maybe jumps into their head uh, because of Western art and Western folklore is the image that Charlie Russell uh, sketched as a young cow hand in the Judith Basin um, way back in 1886 of a steer. You can see its ribs, you know, waiting on a Chinook, last of the 5,000. Um, that, that's what a lot of ranchers might be thinking about right now when, when this weather comes in. It, it's an issue that was around back then, but also here to, here, here in modern times. It is. And, and Lane, um, I think a lot of us have that vision of that, of that, uh, drawing, uh, some of these winters, um, certainly, um, 
we're in better shape because we we um, we have hay, so that's that makes things a lot better. But uh, yeah, some of these tough winters, and of course this year's been awesome until just recently. Uh, we certainly do have that vision, and uh, really, really um, think about what those guys went through with without all the modern uh, tools that we have at our disposal now. Now, as I mentioned, it has been pretty uh, pretty cold across uh, much of Montana and, and the United States as a weather weather pattern has uh, moved across the nation over the past week. Uh, how's it been on your operation? Uh, have your waterers held up and, and the cows staying, staying warm with all the feed? You know, uh, yeah, we had 27 below this morning when I got up, and and uh, but we didn't have much wind, and you know, wind is the killer, and uh so, all in all, it wasn't too bad today, but, uh, yeah, it's been a rough few days. Yeah, we've had a little water freeze, but nothing, just minor freezes, nothing major. So, uh, we come out of it pretty good. Use a lot of bedding in the feedlot and, and uh, up the ration for the cows. They got a little more to eat. Um, but, yeah, we're going, it's going pretty good. Cattle, we're in good shape going into this cold snap and, and uh, we all had to adjust, including the cattle. But uh, I think we're all right, and and the forecast is looking favorable. So looking forward to next week. Well, I know every everyone's uh, really looking forward to that uh, almost 40, 50-degree change once we get into the 20s and 30s uh, coming next week. And, and uh, you know, as we continue talking about uh, the, the artwork that so many know the West and know Montana for is uh, Charlie Russell's uh, art, uh, you know, mainly there in the in the Judith Basin, but but uh, covering great swaths uh, of historic places in Montana. And uh, today's conversation, you know, talking about uh, that that image, that that little really it's not that big it's only a few inches uh, a square or rectangle i guess we could say the actual image of that steer with the wolves surrounding it what what does it mean to you as as a as a rancher as the stock growers president to know that the montana stock growers owns this part of history but also stayed true to the individual that donated that picture to msga so that the public could enjoy it on display at the montana historical society well, it certainly gives us a sense of responsibility as far as leadership in, in Montana Stock Growers Lane. In fact, at our last board meeting, it's interesting you bring this up because we did have a conversation about, uh, we have quite a few historical um, items that we have in storage. And and uh, we talked about, you know, we probably ought to go through some of that stuff and um, also we talked about having a traveling um, exhibit that we would take to various affiliates and that kind of thing just to just to show some of the some of the historical items that stock growers does um, own and and um, um, I, I'm looking forward to putting that together and and uh, we did form a committee to do just that so so um, we are going to do that. We probably won't take the original of, of Charlie Ro- Russell's original, but we'll take a copy and and uh, but we'll have some other original things on that on that exhibit to to take around and just let people see their heritage. 
one exactly? That that I mean, the Montana Stock Growers Association. How, how many years have they been around? I, right off the top of my head, I know it's it's uh, you know over a hundred years. I know, but just the the, the decades coming into that. How, how old is the MSGA? If my memory is correct, it's 137 years. Um, 1884. So the, was so- the, the year they they. Um, um, combined two stock grower associations into one. So for over 100 and almost close to 140 years, you know, we, we look at the legacy of the, the Montana stock growers and the role that they play in being a an advocacy organization for livestock producers. And yes, th- things have changed quite a bit from when they were formed back in the 1880s to now, but you all are still advocating for the livestock industry up in Helena right now during the legislative session. I've seen you've been up there already making your way from your ranch in Sydney, Montana, all the way to Helena, uh, testifying on behalf of stock growers and stock growers policy. Uh, what's it mean to you to be a part of that history? I, I certainly enjoy it. I, I enjoy history and I enjoy what Montana stock growers stands for and the battles that they fight for all ranchers in Montana, uh, both in state and national level. And a sense of responsibility and duty comes with that. Uh, but I certainly, certainly enjoy it. And you talk about uh, um, things changing. Uh, you know, I was there in Helena a little over a week ago and testifying. And then thir- this Thursday, I testified again at home via Zoom. So, uh, <laughs> you know, it's a mix of the old and the new. Certainly being there in person is far more effective because you do a lot of work in the hall. In fact, that's where most of the work is done. But uh, when you can't be there, it's 520 miles from here to there. So um, sometimes Zoom works. Well, again, it uh, it is a very different time. But again, the, the, the mission of the Montana Stock Growers representing the livestock industry here in Montana up in Helena continues. And as, again, jumping back to, to the, the waiting on a Chinook, the, the last of the 5,000 image uh, that was created by Charles M. Russell, you know, again, we look at that image, and then we also, you know, that was a that that image was used to convey the situation, and it was you know mailed to the owner of that the uh, of those cattle to kind of describe what was going on. And now we look at Instagram and Facebook, and and how ranchers can can show the image of them, you know, feeding their livestock in this negative 25, 30 degree weather, you know, having the John Deere tractor fired up, whether that's pulling a, a you know, a trailer full of big squares, you know, flaking off hay or, or you know, f- out with the feed truck or, or the cake wagon, whatever it might be. Isn't it weird how that, that same mission of we're trying to convey what's going on out there, maybe not to people in the livestock industry, but just showing, hey, we're out here. We're, we're trying to take care of these, this livestock the best we can. You know, Lane, our customers, which are our consumers, are way more interested in what we're doing and how we're doing it than ever before. And uh, certainly, yes, using those tools to show them how much we do care about the land and our, and our animals um, is an important part of what we do. So, yes, Instagram and Facebook, Twitter... Um, there's a lot of cowboys pretty familiar with those three tools. (laughs) 
But, you know, Jim, on the other side of that, folks may see these images, you know, even back then, so, you know, back in the, the 1800s when this, uh, when the artwork was sketched and like, well, they weren't taking care of their livestock. And they may make that argument now that the, these guys, God, they just, they just don't care about their livestock. It's cold out there and they're eating out, out, out there and they're not in these barns or whatever. But, you know, I, I just, it's, and I'm seeing those conversations from people that don't understand livestock or, or maybe they're against animal agriculture. What, what is your message to people like this, or maybe consumers just assuring them that, you know, livestock producers care for every single animal they own and, uh, and just the role they play in putting food on people's table. What, what is your message there? Well, you know, certainly, um, if we don't, like our animals and care for them they're not going to pay our bills so it's in our best interest just just on the financial end of things to make sure that our livestock are well cared for healthy and happy and of course we wouldn't be in this business for very long if we didn't absolutely just love working with livestock so so yeah um the best thing we can do is is have more intimate conversation with some of these folks and even invite them out. I've done that a few times. Um, most of them don't come, but every once in a while, someone will come. And when they see the real world ranch and why we do things and how we do things, they leave with a completely different picture of, of uh, our industry. Well, Jim, again, I know it's been a, a busy time just uh, with, with all this cold weather, but but uh, that's why that's why we prepare and put hay up or buy hay or buy cake, the supplements, whatever it may be, and, and so we're prepared to take care of our livestock. And again, I, I just thought it'd be a great conversation just bringing up that, that image of the, the last of the 5,000 or waiting on a Chinook as it's kind of has two titles, of course, and just the provenance and just the uniqueness that the Montana stock growers owns that part of our history, not just in Montana, but but the nation's history and the founding of our nation. Um, I, I guess, what what are some last comments you would just like to share with the folks that have seen this image, that little tiny image that actually has a description saying, yep, I, 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 I sketched this image. Sam Russell signed the, the edge of... of uh, of the uh, framing of that uh, of the image itself what what's your message to the folks that have seen it that maybe haven't seen it and just uh, the mission that livestock producers have in producing one of the best proteins out there that being beef well if you haven't seen the image i highly encourage you to i'm sure you can google it and and it'll probably come right up so i highly encourage you to do that if you haven't seen it because it's it's an incredible piece of of our work, uh, especially has a, a personal meaning to to these ranchers out out in a cold country. That's for sure, um, and it brings to mind that you know Montana. A big part of what Montana has been from the beginning is livestock. I mean, there was mining and livestock. It seems like that was the two main main businesses in Montana at the beginning. And, uh, you know, livestock is still a big part of Montana right now, and, and it is our goal to keep it that way.
Well, again, Jim, I, I do appreciate you taking time here today. I, like I said, I, I know you're very busy, and, and I'm busy on my end, and, and I just uh, I think it's important to, to take time and, and capture these moments now and uh, also just uh, cherish uh, the, the past uh, historical moments in the, and uh, the moments that uh, we will have in the future, especially with uh, the Montana stock growers being a voice for, for Montana's livestock industry. Hey, any, any last things you would just like to share with us here today? Day, whether on the stock rover's end of things, uh, how things are going in Helena, or, or hey, actually, speaking of CM Russell, hopefully, hopefully we'll all be together in Lewistown in June for the 2021 uh, uh, summer business meeting and get to ride that Charlie Russell choo choo. That's right. Yes, please come, guys. We plan on having a lot of fun. Uh, it was supposed to be there last, last year, but uh, we couldn't uh, make that work because of this silly COVID thing. By silly, I don't. I don't mean the COVID silly, but but the silliness that comes with it. And uh, so we're going to try her again this summer. And and I I expect that things will be a lot closer to normal by then. And I sure hope to see a lot of your faces there. Uh, we couldn't have our convention this year. Um, we need to get together. Uh, we're a social people, and and uh, I want to see some faces. So look forward to seeing you all there in uh, in June. Oh, well, I look forward to being there, too. And, and Jim, back in, in, in junior high and high school, I used to play guitar and sing on the choo-choo. And that's how I made my, my spending money back in the day, all those tours coming in. But I tell you what, the middle of, or the, the beginning of June, it's still going to be so green there along the Judith River from, from Denton, you know, going out to Denton from the, the Hanover. Uh, well, I actually don't know if they get on at Hanover anymore because I think the trestle isn't safe anymore. So it's a little further out. If I'm correct, I could be totally wrong on that. That. But it's just beautiful going going across these historic trestles, uh, going seeing all the wildlife and the livestock, and uh, there's a gang of outlaws that might roam those hills. <laughs> so I, I I just hope that we can all get together there in Lewistown and and uh, have a great time at the meeting and hopefully on the Charlie Russell Choo Choo as well. Well, and speaking of history in in Lewistown, certainly our first president uh, um, headquartered pretty close to Lewistown. Um, that's where, where they started their ranch. So, so, um, um, yeah, a lot of history, that, right? In that country. Was that Grand, Granville Stewart? Is that correct? It was. Yep. yep. It certainly was. Yes. Yep. A lot of history. Teddy Blue Abbott, another historical cowboy figure, uh, not too far outside of Lewistown too. Um, all, all, yeah. all during that great time. So, hey, Jim, I know you're busy, but I, I just want to thank you for sharing uh, the stock growers uh, perspective and the ranchers perspective uh, here in the modern 21st century uh, on the last of the 5,000. And, and uh, hopefully we never go through uh, uh, quite a winter like that. But we have had freak storms and, and whatnot, especially in the Dakotas the last few years. But I just want all of our listeners to know that uh, the livestock producers here in Montana and across the nation, they, they are there for their livestock, taking care of them. And it's just great to, to look at history and talk about these historic moments. So, Jim, I will let you get back to your day. Thanks for joining us here for a conversation. Lane, thank you. It was, it was fun to, to think back at about those times and, and what those folks went through. Yes, it was. But we're going to continue on with our conversation with Jim Peterson a little more here on the history and talking more about uh, the image painted by C.M. Russell. We'll be right back. For Charlie, said get her all down Before she goes, son get her all down Before 
Before we jump back into our conversation with rancher Jim Peterson, who is chair of the C.M. Russell Museum, I, I would just actually like to share part of a first-hand account by the individual who bought the Waiting for a Chinook watercolor from an individual in Helena, Montana. The rancher, that is, that hung it on his wall for 30 years, that person being Wallace Hoyda Cooper, Hoyda Cooper, I'm not quite sure how you say that German name, uh, but uh, this individual did write a first-hand account. The story behind Charlie Russell's masterpiece, Waiting for a Chinook by Wallace Hoyda Cooper. Um, I'm going to skip over the first few paragraphs, but I just find this so interesting. I am a history nerd when it comes down to it. He talks about the start of Russell's career coming uh, all the way up from St. Louis to Montana, uh, being there in the 1886-87 horrible winter, that, uh, the hard winter, as they described it, that started in the middle of November and continued with Arctic severity until the end of February. 100 days of crusted and lasting snow piled high and impassable, Wallace wrote. Grazing wasn't possible. Cattle perished by the thousands. Some herds were completely wiped out. He continued writing, During 1886, Russell worked for two cattle owners living in Helena. That were Stradler and Kaufman, who ran some 5,000 head of cattle in the Judith Basin near the present site of the Utica Post Office. Their brand was the Bar R on the right thigh. Their foreman and range manager was Jesse Phelps, a good stockhand, he wrote, who lived on his own ranch, the OH. Russell apparently spent the greater part of this winter at the OH ranch. So there's a, a little bit of a correction in history uh, here as we continue our show. Uh, as for he was out of a job, that being Russell, and short on money. He was there later in the winter when Kaufman wrote to Phelps asking about the condition of the cattle. The night this letter was received, Phelps and Russell were seated together at the ranch bunkhouse table discussing what kind of answer should be sent. Phelps said, I'll have to write to Louie, but I hate to tell him how tough it is. To which Charlie remarked, I'll draw you a picture to go with your letter. This he did the next morning portraying an old cow visible from the ranch window. The work was done on a piece of pasteboard taken from the cover of a collar box and was painted with a cheap watercolor. When shown to Phelps, he remarked, Hell, there is no letter needed. That picture tells the whole story better than I can write it. There was, however, a short note enclosed. Wallace continued writing that Charlie called the subject Waiting for Chinook. It was never named by him the last of the 5,000, where the secondary caption thereafter so overused came from is unknown. At the time, the owners of the cattle, Wallace wrote, Louis Stradler and L.E. Kaufman, owned a butcher shop on Edwards Street, and Ben Roberts had a harness shop directly across the street. Roberts wanted the pitcher badly, and Kaufman, considering it of no great value, presented it to him about a year afterwards, probably in the year 1888. And for many years, it lay around Roberts' shop becoming soiled, fly-blown, and bent. In 1913, Roberts, needing money, decided to sell it. And that's when the writer of this article, Wallace Hoyda Cooper, fortunately was in Helena at the time, and Roberts offered the pitcher to him for $500. But he continued writing, saying, But my answer was not interested. I did, however, offer Ben a modest sum, which he refused. 
As he walked away, I called to him that I was leaving for my ranch on the 7 o'clock train the next morning, and my offer would still be good. So he didn't quite tell us what he paid for it in this riding, but uh, uh, let's let's see what happened the next morning. Uh, Whitta Cooper continued writing that he was at the train the next morning, that being Roberts. I paid him by check and took the little painting with me to the Muscle Shell River Ranch. On my next trip to Chicago, I took the Waiting for a Chinook to the O'Brien Galleries. There it was clean, pressed, and backed. I had an appropriate frame made, but did not put the picture in it then. Later in the year, when I went to Great Falls, I showed it to Charlie Russell. Well, Hootie, he said, you have the little old picture, Charlie Russell remarked. I'm glad, but where did you get it, he asked. I told him the story, and there was no writing on the drawing. I asked him to write something and sign it. I want it authenticated. Russell said, what shall I write? Anything you may think of, Charlie, Hoity Cooper replied. After rolling a cigarette and taking a puff or two, Russell sat down at his table while his wife and I visited. Soon without looking up, he called out, how do you spell real? Mrs. Russell immediately answered, oh, Charles, R-E-A-L, of course. So the picture was nicely autographed with the wording, this is the real thing, painted the winter of 1886 at the OH Ranch. And at it was signed C.M. Russell with his buffalo head symbol. Kaufman's signature was afterwards obtained in Helena. I took it out of a solo game to get it to put the sketch in its present historical form. Riding for a Chinook hung on the wall of my ranch home for 30 years. On November 17, 1942, I presented it to the Montana Stock Growers Association in order that our members as well as the public might see and enjoy it. The State Association has since placed it on permanent exhibit in the Russell Room of the Historical Society of Montana. Again, I am a history nerd, and to be able to find these so well-documented stories from the individual that knew Charlie Russell, that uh, knew the two individuals that received the Waiting for a Chinook, the two cattle owners that received that card that showed it to all of the people around Helena, and, and to give it to the harness maker across the street where it just hung on the wall maybe it even had a tack in it <laughs> who knows and then ultimately for this rancher wallace hoida cooper Heide cooper again if i'm saying that wrong i'm so sorry to the to the family of him but just to have that genealogical order of events i just think that is so outstanding but also to think about nowadays how selfless an individual like wallace hoida cooper was to say, you know what, I, I can't just keep this historical painting to myself. It's so important to uh, talk about the livestock industry and for the public to see this, to donate to the Montana Stock Growers. I think it's just something that we can all maybe think more about doing in our lives is being more selfless and, and not thinking about ourselves as much. Uh, uh, again, I don't want to get on too big of a soapbox. Again, this is a very different type of podcast here today, but uh, I love history. And when it's uh, agricultural history, especially from my home state where my family has been for, I'm the sixth generation, been here since uh, the late 1860s. And uh, also the, the Native American side of my family um, up on the Milk River and whatnot, it, uh, it truly is such a great story to tell, and uh, I'm glad I can do this. I really have been enjoying it.
And I did find some documentation online that, you know, does say years later, Sam Russell did recreate the image in more detail, avoiding for a Chinook, uh, also known as Last of the 5,000. Somebody wrote that on on, on uh, the painting, and that's just uh, become its name uh, uh, almost in legend over the years. Uh, so, so much history here. And actually, we are going to wrap up talking about the Sam Russell Museum and uh, a little more here with a rancher and chair of the C.M. Russell Museum, Mr. Jim Peterson, right now. Well, it's it's such an American story, and, and whether it is, you know, uh, and I would encourage anyone that's listening to this, if you have not made the pilgrimage to Great Falls to the C.M. Russell Museum, you, you have to do it, because you know, like like so many uh, ranch families, especially, we, we all had prints uh, of Charlie Russell paintings in our ha- homes growing up. We, we all had some type of Charlie Russell artwork, but it's a print and it's usually on kind of a poster, you know, type material and it's glossy. And until you can go and see these pieces of art that are several feet by feet and, and just to see the oil paintings that he does and what he does in capturing the anatomy of a horse that the spirit of the west and the heritage of those that came before us here with 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 native americans and in his love for tribal culture as well you have to see this firsthand it's a it is a beautiful museum and we're in the process of doubling the size of the campus uh, we spent a lot of money here several years ago, completely restoring the home, the Russell home and the studio. And we're the only uh, museum in the country that I know of that has the Russell, has the artist's home and studio right beside the museum on campus. And we're in the process of redoing the campus and, and we're in the process of developing a musical to tell a Russell story. And the title of the musical is Paint Me a Love Song. <laughs> and it's a, it's a musical on the love life between Charlie and Nancy Russell. And we hope to maybe debut that this fall. But uh, there's a lot of good things going on. The museum has a wonderful collection of Russell originals. We're gaining ground all the time. We did move our auction from March to, uh, to August <clears throat> for the second year in a row because the COVID, the COVID uh, 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 just kind of messed everything up along with everyone else. You know, we just had to kind of shut down, actually had to close the museum for a little while. But we're back and up running again. And actually, we weathered the storm pretty well. We have a, we have a, uh, a sealed bid painting, uh, sealed bid auction this March to celebrate Charlie's birthday. Uh, and uh, we're going to do that, but our big auction will be in, in, uh, in August there in Great Falls, and it'll be the first time in two years we've all been able to kind of go meet up again face-to-face, so I'm looking forward to it, but a lot of nice things going on, and I do, you're right, the museum is a place you could spend an afternoon, and um, every painting that Charlie did has a story behind it. Yep. And we're working real hard about, you know, documenting those stories. He had a special relationship with the Native Americans. He spent a couple of years with the Blood Indians in Canada. And, and the Charlie Russell story is worth people knowing more about. Well, and, and you mentioned, though, when we were discussing the waiting on a Chinook um, watercolor, how that truly was uh, 
capturing the end of open range and, and moving towards uh, implementing fences and, and dividing up the land. And, and for, for so many that were a part of that tradition, and whether it is the, the, the open range cowboy or the Native American, it, it truly was the end of a lifestyle and generations of lifestyles, especially on the Native Americans roaming grounds and whatnot. And, and uh, as, as a Grovant Indian myself and rancher, you see both sides of that. But then you, you look now into how the livestock industry has utilized fences and, and even, into, even into the 20th century, um, we, we saw the mismanagement of our rangelands as well. And we've all, we've really come full circle though, haven't we, Jim, with, with range management, with rotational grazing, with so much of it. And, but, but it all comes back to mother nature and and we can't control mother nature. What, what is that? What is that? It just, it takes us all back to 1886, 1887 during that winter saying, you know what, we're in the same boat right now. Our technology is a little better, but we can't control mother nature. Yeah. You if you ranch very long, you find out you have a, that Mother Nature is your senior partner. And as much as you might not like the idea, there are times that she rules the roost. And this is one of those times. We've had a really mild winter up to this time, but now we've had a, a solid week or 10 days of 20 below zero. You know, that tests everybody's uh, constitution. It's hard on people, hard on cattle. But but you're right. We have better technology. but the weather probably in Montana is going to be like this as long as you and I are around and beyond because, um, you know, we live pretty far north and um, there are times that, uh, in fact, most of the time, Mother Nature, in fact, is the senior partner. Yes, that, that's so true. But, uh, you know, coming back maybe to the stock growers uh, aspect of this, you know, you mentioned, you know, the Northern Hotel and Billings. I, I just think it's great, you know, the history of the Northern Hotel. And finally, you know, they've redone that hotel and uh, the generations of, of cattle producers that uh, would have a coffee or, or a beer or whiskey in that place. It's so great to have the conventions over the past few years. there, kind of all bringing it back full circle. Well, and I really, you know, I had the privilege of working with those people very closely for 10 years. And, and uh, I have great respect for the organization and what it does for the cattle industry. But it, to me, it's about the people. You know, mm-hmm. it's about the relationships and the, and, the, and the people. And I think most people just can't wait to get their vaccine and so we can get back to face-to-face and talking to each other because it was ever we sort of been cooped up for two years and people are ready to get out and go to a convention and see our friends, you know? Yep. <laughs> well, and, and as I mentioned uh, to Jim Steinbeiser, the current president of the, the Montana stock growers, uh, the, the little postcard that the waiting on a Chinook was, was, was painted on. And then obviously sent from uh, the, the, the Judith basin all the way over to Helena. That was the social media of the time. That was the texting your buddy an image or texting like my dad saying, how are the waters looking? Are they froze over? And it's amazing because you look on Instagram and Facebook today, you see people just sharing their story of, of taking care of livestock and feeding it. But it, that was the social media of the time. Oh, that's true. And I, I, um, you know, we do we do a lot of stuff electronically now, like we're doing on this Zoom meeting here today. 
but I'm kind of from the old school. I love to have a little face-to-face -face time with people as well because it's, um, you know, it's the relationships that you build with people face-to-face -face that help get things done. And um, I just think that the, this is, some people think I'm a little hokey, but I think the code of the West is something people need to remember and take a look at because that to me, that's what made America great is, is that, that code of ethics that cowboys live by. Not everybody's perfect, but they all live by a kind of a common code that then uh, they took care of each other. They, um, like you say, they talk to each other. They neighbors help neighbors. And when times like we're going through today, they helped each other. And, and uh, it was tough. You've got to respect it. You know, they lived in a one room cabin, a lot of them, and all they had for heat was fire. And the only water they had was running water outside in the creek. And that's why all the settle, all this land got settled down in the, in the, in the, in the uh, waterways is because that's the only way they could survive. But though, and, and the, the, those were only two or three generations behind us. You know, the Trask family, I'm reminded of George Trask, you know, <laughs> his family bought the Hoover cabin from Jake Hoover. He, uh, 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 the Trask family, you know, has had that in their family now, I think four generations and that cabin is still up there, and, it, and I've been there many times, and, and um, there's just a great story there to tell. And, and, and George Trask's grandfather rode a horse from, from Boston all the way to Montana in search of land and gold, and landed in that area, and, and, and they all live kind of by the same code of ethics and hard, hard workers, and you got to respect them all, you know. So, Jim, how important is it, whether you're a first or second generation farmer or rancher, or you've been, you know, in the state of Montana for, for multiple generations, how important is it just to continue to, to share this history? Um, like I said, every time we think of this cold weather, the image of waiting on a Chinook is the first thing that really pops into my mind. But how, how can we in, in the agriculture business, farmers and ranchers, how can we continue to, to tell our rich history, but also look towards the future and learn from the past as well? Well, I think we just have to work harder at, harder at telling our story. You know, we, you know, we've, there's nothing better for land than the footsteps of its owner. And um, this land is owned a lot of it's by, by ranchers that are three, four generation ranchers. And, and uh, a lot of people can learn from their code of ethics. We need to learn a little bit more better how to communicate our story, I think, to the public. We take a lot of things for granted that most people don't even know we do. And uh, we live it breathe it every day and and that's what i that's why i kind of agreed to be on the board of the russell i felt like that you know i took my shot at communicating through politics and after 12 years i decided maybe i could do a little bit different take a little bit different approach and communicate the story through charlie russell's art so that's kind of my passion right now is telling that story of of, of russell but you know, we, we've got work to do. I mean, this last week was kind of an ugly week for Montana, for the United States. And we got to find our soul and get a fresh start and move forward, I think. 
And Jim, I, I think we do need to kind of circle back around and talk more about CMR and the history uh, and w- what he means to Montana. But, uh, you know, another I, I want to almost circle it back to, to Helena. You mentioned, uh, you know, the legislature, one of the greatest pieces of art in this world is in the state capital of Helena. And I think the Montana state capital is hands down one of the most beautiful uh, pieces of architecture and art living art that there is, but I'm talking obviously of the house chambers and <laughs> the image of Lewis and Clark. Uh, was it meeting the Shoshone? I, I, am I correct yeah, in saying that? Yeah, he was commissioned by the state of Montana to do that piece. It's the only, it was the, it's by far his grandest masterpiece. I think he painted that in, in, um, in small pieces in his studio in Helena. And then he rolled them up and then took them up there and put it all together uh, right in its place. And uh, it does tell a great story of, of a white man and the Native American and how they met up and how they eventually, you know, tried to live with each other. And that was a hard time. And, but the settling of the West, um, came, you know, followed by, we, we had, first we had the Louisiana Purchase, and you know, we bought that all sight unseen, and to get people to come west, we offered free land and free water, and that's how it got started, and we came west and met up with the Native Americans, and, the, and Charlie Russell documented all of that through his paintings, and, and I think that story's worth telling. And, and I need to correct myself, it was actually the Salish. Indians that were in that image. I, I, I Googled the Montana historical okay. society. They, they had that information there, but again, it's, and that's, you know, when folks are over in Helena, uh, they need to stop by the Capitol. Obviously I don't, I don't know if what, what the visiting opportunities are now with the legislative session and with the pandemic going, but the, the Montana historical society, and I know there is plans to actually move the historical society, right. And actually build a, a bigger building. Am I correct? Did you hear that Jim? Yeah, or the legislature authorized funding to uh, completely remodel and expand the historical society. And that process has started. Great. And, um, we are in, we are in the talks with the historical society to, where they possibly loan their Russell collection to the museum in Great Falls while they're under construction. And then we'll turn around and return the favor once they have an open house and send, and obviously their, 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 uh, art will go back to them in a brand new setting. And then we would loan them quite a bit of, of the originals that we have so that when they have their open house, we see that as a partnership. Mm-hmm. And, um, and the new museum is going to be spectacular in Helena. They're, they've let the contract to have it built. I think the Sletton Construction out of Great Falls has the contract. And um, it'll probably take a couple of years to complete. But it's going to be great, great story to tell. And, and all of this history of Montana, the Native Americans, the buffalo, the cattle industry are all going to be in, in grand display there in cooperation with the Russell Museum. Well, and, and just speaking of the current Montana Historical uh, Society Museum, uh, just uh, a few quick steps away from the Montana State Capitol, you might actually walk right by the the watercolor of, w- of waiting for a Chinook because yeah, it's, it's not large. 
you got to go to the Russell Cal uh, Gallery, and it's there, but it's it's no bigger than a postcard. Yep. You have to you have to look at it. It's in a very special place in the corner of the museum. And it gives recognition to the stock growers as owning it. And there's a little caption of the story behind it. But um, you're right. You do have to kind of look for it or you walk right by it. probably. And, and who, who could have imagined such a small, small yeah. image could have such a lasting impact. And uh, of course, it will continue to have an impact. Uh, Jim, I know you have a busy day ahead of you, so I don't want to keep you uh, uh, much longer here. And I know uh, your son's coming down today, too, it sounds like, to, to Arizona. But, uh, hey, anything else you would just like to share with us here today on, on the museum, on ranching, or just any advice you'd like to, to share with our listeners today on the podcast? Well, I, I just would encourage everyone to, to get involved and tell our story, both the ranching story and, you know, the stewardship of the land. And we have a great story to tell. And, and you know, the, the food supply that we produce is the, probably the most abundant, safest food supply of any place in the world. The technology we have today is just unbelievable. And I think that uh, some of what we have to do better is remembering a little about the history of this country and what made it great and, uh, the, and how, how the West was settled. And that story is a great story to tell. And that's why Charlie Russell's kind of important to Montana's history, because he tells that story with his paintbrush and it's worth it's I, I would encourage people to make the trip to Great Falls. It's a it's a world class museum. It's probably one of the, it's probably the one or two best Western art museums in the United States today. Nestled away there in, in Great Falls and it's gonna do nothing but get better as time goes on. Well, again, Jim Peterson, he is chairman of the Sam Russell Museum there in Great Falls, Montana. Uh, again, leadership in Montana's legislature, past executive vice president of the Montana Stock Growers Rancher from Buffalo, Montana, and uh, and warming up down there in Yuma, Arizona today. Now the sun, the sun is shining here, and it's a clear blue sky, and I hear it's going to warm up starting tomorrow in Montana. I'm sure everybody's going to be Glad to see some warm air. Hang, hang in there, my friends. The warm air is on its way. And uh, maybe that'll be the first sign of spring. You know, we're one thing for sure. We're every day we're a little closer to spring and we could use the moisture. But I think people are ready for warm air now. Warm air and maybe just a little bit of rain here this spring too to not to not blow out any of the, the water gaps or anything like that too much. But uh, we, we always do need moisture. Well, thank you so much. Thank you. Um, I, I want to say hello to my MSGA friends in Montana. We'll see you, see you in the spring. And thank you, uh, Lane, for giving me this opportunity. Very happy and glad you were able to, to take time to do it. Again, friends, this is Jim Peterson. Thanks for joining us here today, Jim. Thank you. Have a good day. And that will do it for this project. Uh, took a lot of time putting this together because I also created a TV story that uh, went along with this uh, as well. But uh, I tell you what, it was fun. If you stuck with us all the way through it, pay thank you. If you didn't, well, oh well, you can skip to the next podcast. But uh, I really enjoyed learning about this part of uh, history from Montana. How the West uh, was really captured through art, through Charlie Russell, and the legacy that still lives on in, in all 
livestock producers here in Montana and across the West. Hey, make sure and look up Kyle Shope and the Wacom Boys online and on social media. Download this song and all of their songs. Thanks, Kyle, for letting us use this song today. We'll let him play you out. I'm Lane Nordland. This is the Lanecast Ag Podcast. We'll catch you next time. Before she goes, some get her all down. Before she goes, oh, we gotta get her all down. She's bound to go.